Welcome to the Wonder Women series of the Maker Mom podcast. I'm your host, Katie Freeman. Every week I bring you two episodes interviewing female non-binary makers of all kinds, and some of them are parents and some of them are not. This week's guest is Dana of Her Desk. Um, Her Desk is actually quite a new uh, company. It didn't Uh, officially start until September of this year, but it was great getting to chat with Dana and understand how her desk came about and how it's being manufactured and how you could get one yourself. Um, But before we hop into the interview with Dana, I want to give a big shout out and thank you to the patrons over on Patreon. So thank you so much, Christy Twisted Twine, Christina B, Jeremy Spies, Sammy Go Sammy Lee, Lauren Rasp File Designs, Sven Dwarf Size Workshop, Rachel Moody Makes, Bonnie Tool Mom Bonnie, ToolMomStore.com, Laura Oakley Soap Company, Mary Lou Made by Mary Lou, Amy Bison Valley Carving, Dan and Kelly Reclaim Living Store, Brandy Studio Obey, Kathy One Girl and Her Tools, Ellen Little Bear Furniture, and Ethan Ethan Carter Designs. Thank you all so very much for your continued ongoing support, helping me to produce two episodes a week. All right, with no further ado, here is Dana with her desk. Well, Dana, I always have my guests on the podcast introduce themselves. So I'm going to let you say what you want to say and tell people who you are whenever you are ready. Awesome. Takes you off the hook. That's cheating, Katie. (laughs) (laughs) So my name is Dana Snyder. Newly Snyder was back previously. I just got married a month ago. So COVID free wedding complete. That's a big check mark off 2020. Um, And I am the founder and CEO of two businesses, actually one being positive equation that I started about four years ago. And I am a digital strategist working with nonprofit marketers. So do everything from teaching uh, workshops and webinars to producing virtual events, to helping run their campaigns, everything kind of in that wheelhouse. And then, which kind of eased me into, um, as I'm a digital marketer first, I created her desk out of the need to have a better functional, beautiful work desk. Um, so her desk is a desk that is designed by and for women made in the United States and is simply just that it's a desk that is more functional than your basic top. So, and that company officially launched in September of 2020. So also very recent. All right. Well, before we start unpacking kind of those, both those businesses, um, I don't want to go back always to your childhood and ask, where did you grow up and what kind of things were you interested in? Oh, good question. 
I'm from Sarasota, Florida. So if anybody's familiar with Tampa, it's about 45 minutes south on the West Coast. Um, being in Florida, I was definitely always ironic. Well, kind of funny. I was a beach kid, but then I actually was a figure skater, <laughs> like a competitive figure skater. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was the weirdest. My parents were probably so frustrated because the closest ice rink back then in the early nineties was 45 minutes away. So, and I was competitive. So we were going like four to five times a week down there. So I'd say between the beach and then figure skating, those were probably, I was a girl scout. Um, I was really involved in school activities. I did marching band. I was kind of your, um, wanting to be involved in every single possible activity that I could be. (laughs) All right. You mentioned marching band. So I have to ask what instrument did you play? I played the flute. Nice. One of one of my little sisters played the flute all the way through. I don't I think band starts in late elementary school, I think, is when band usually starts picking up. So she played flute all the way through and then did her first year of college did uh piccolo on the marching band at university. So Yeah. Piccolo yeah. is a beast of an instrument. <laughs> <laughs> it's little, but man, is it's that so thing a beast. I know. <laughs> Um, and then what about post high school? What'd you do after high school? So post high school, I went to the university of central Florida in Orlando and got my bachelor's degree in advertising and public relations. And funny enough, marching band continued for me in college for one year. Um, but I did, um, flag instead. Mm. So I was part of the guard. Um, and then in college, I, was really, really, really invested in an organization on campus called Nightthon. It was our dance marathon program. If anyone's Mm. familiar, dance marathon is associated as it, it was our largest student run philanthropy for children's miracle network. And so I sat on the leadership team helping to run that event, um, along with other extracurricular activities. But yeah, I was still in Florida, um, post high school. Okay. Are you in Florida now? I'm not. I'm, I've bounced all over the country. Um, after I graduated, I stayed in, I moved back to Sarasota for a little bit. And then I had this dream of living in Manhattan. So I moved to New York City and I was there for about four and a half, five years. And then I moved to Los Angeles and I was there for three years. And then now, as of July of this year, I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> okay. All of those places are like so different from each other. (laughs) Yes, they are. Yes, they are. (laughs) I mean, I'm familiar with LA. I lived in Northern San Diego County uh, for almost five years. So I lived in Oceanside, which basically the only thing that separated, yeah, LA or Orange County from where I lived was Camp Pendleton. That's you know, pretty much what was in between. Yeah, very um, familiar. Yeah, so I'm familiar with LA uh, kind of culture. New York, never been there, but at least, you know, just from social media and everything, it seems an East Coast in general, like West Coast, very laid back, right? East Coast, very like not laid back. So- <laughs> yeah, well, I'd say New York in itself, New York's a different like animal though. I mean, everybody in New York, it has this mentality of play hard, like work hard, play hard. So 
I think people in New York, although this is not the status quo, I think they're much more approachable than people in LA, New York. Everyone is working hard. They're going down to the bars. Everybody's down to meet somebody new. There's no, you don't feel like the self-entitlement there that Mm -hmm. you kind of get from like the Hollywood LA vibe. I loved, I absolutely loved my time in New York, but it was also at a great time when I was, I mean, I was 22, 23 to like my late twenties. It was that perfect time where Mm -hmm. you're still going out. You're still, yes, you're going to do happy hour with all your colleagues afterwards. You actually hang out with your colleagues. I think that's very different in LA. If you have a job, you're going to an office, you have to get in your car and you have to go home and you have to drive Mm -hmm. in traffic. So you're not grabbing a drink and then walking home. That doesn't happen. So I loved the lifestyle that New York offered and the walkability of the city. Um, obviously things are very different now with COVID times. Um, Mm -hmm. but I mean, LA, the weather's gorgeous. You have incredible opportunities in the entertainment industry, if that's your thing. And I mean, now being here in Atlanta, it was honestly our move to be back on the East coast, closer to both of our, Mm -hmm. my husband and I, as our families and get more money for real estate mm-hmm. <laughs> from a property. It was just kind of, I'm 31 yep. now. So I want to have a home, want to start a family. What city makes the most sense for that? Yeah. Yeah. So totally. Um, in Atlanta, I've only been there with a workbench con, uh, workbench conference. So I've been there three years now and a good friend of mine lives there and somebody you have in common as well, which would be Char, the wooden maiden. Yes. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So how did, I mean, what, so you moved in July to Atlanta and you had said her desk started September. So, but was it already in the works? Like when you had moved to Atlanta? It was. So technically (laughs) right around this time last year, I, so speaking of a weird, um, entertainment opportunities that happened, I ended up becoming a digital producer on American Idol for a season, um, which a lot of us grew up watching. Mm -hmm. Um, so that happened. So I was taken out of the work from home environment for about nine months with the show. So when I got back home, I had a very small Ikea desk. It, it was too tiny and I couldn't do anything. I was restricted. There were no drawers. It was literally just a, a top. And at that time, one thing that is really positive, I will say about LA is it has an incredible female entrepreneurship community there. And it's a very purpose-driven society. Everyone's very like a conscious consumer and what they buy. And I appreciate all of that a lot. And so when I was searching to buy a new desk, I wanted to find one that was built or at least owned by a female owned company. I wanted to find one that was made in the United States and ideally had some functionality to it. And I could not find anything that I liked, literally nothing. And I was like, okay. So I just bought what I could, right. I wasn't really thrilled with it, but I still spent like $500 on it and got this particle board desk from Vietnam or China overseas. It came and it was in like 20 pieces, the super cheap, um, cylinder wood pieces, you know, talking about And it came broken in like two places and I was frustrated and it took me like three hours to put together. And I just sat there looking at it and I was like, is this it? Like, is this the option other than having to pay like $2,500 for a custom built desk? And even then 
those desks don't have necessarily functionality. They're just made mm-hmm. out of real wood. So yes. Yeah, so last November, I started to put together some thoughts on what would it be like? What would I want ideally from a desk? And that's how the concept of her desk was born. And so from November till currently, or till actually just until a couple of weeks ago, the first desks actually were in consumers' hands. So now they are literally in homes, which is super cool. Awesome. So I want to ask a little bit more around like, to you, what does, like, what makes her desk uh, unique outside of the the woman, you know, designed woman made women made uh, part of it? Like, what makes it unique just about like the desk itself? Yeah, a lot of things. So I looked at my desk at the time and said, what are all the problems I have with this desk? So her desk was trying to answer those problems. So there's a cup holder spot that has cork so that you don't have any residue spilling. That was a huge problem. I always had residue stains from where my cups were, whether it's coffee or um, water or a wine glass, um, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, the top of the desk. So before I had post-it notes everywhere. So the top of it is a whiteboard top. Mm-hmm. So you can write all over it and erase it. Um, I have a monitor, I have my podcast microphone, I have another, my laptop. So I have a bunch of cords. So I have cord storage in the back that has a USB um, and a uh, power strip back there with USB ports and power plug areas. Um, There's a wireless charger built into it on the left-hand side. So you can just set your phone down on the top and it seamlessly, it just starts to charge. It's built in underneath. Um, There's on the sides of the desk, there's hooks built into the design. So you can hang a backpack or a purse or a jacket. And then lastly, what was really rare was to find drawers or some sort of storage space. So the desk comes with three fully extending drawers um, and with the ability for you to select from three different paint options of the desk and three different color handle options. So there's a little bit of customization too, dependent upon what where your workspace is Mm -hmm. as well. So a lot of, a lot of things kind of make it stand out from the status quo of what you see in the marketplace. So when you, I mean, you know, you're approaching this, like you said, you're asking yourself, okay, what problems do I have with my current desk and how would I fix those when it comes time to taking it from like, this is what I want it to do to get it to a workable design. Are you doing that yourself? Are you working with others to come up to create the design? I actually, so uh, my old college roommate is a now interior designer. And so she has the ability to create CAD drawings. So I started working with her and I sent her a bunch of kind of mood board images and the features that I wanted and kind of the style. And she took it from there and created the first CAD drawing. And then it expanded from there. I hired some, I hired a woodworker in LA to build one from hand to start just to get a sense of what it was like. It was super rough. Um, It was not meant, it was a first prototype, right? So you Mm -hmm. want to figure out what works, what doesn't work and tweak things. Um, And then 
I just continued to iterate. So yeah, I absolutely brought on professionals. As I mentioned, I am a digital marketer first. <laughs> I am not a woodworker. I am not professional painter or finisher, none of those things. So I definitely leaned on the expertise of those individuals to be able to get it to the place where it's a sellable, viable product to be in someone's home. <laughs> so <clears throat> how long did you work with like independent um, makers, you know, independent, uh, like an individual woodworker or, or um, any individuals versus, you know, going to the manufacturer route? Um, well, it was interesting. So, and you mentioned Char. Mm -hmm. So she was my, at first, I wasn't sure because when I was getting to the spot to look for someone to build this, COVID was just starting. Mm -hmm. So manufacturing facilities were closing at that point in March, April, and they weren't sure what was going to happen either. Um, so I was starting to reach out to individual woodworkers, but just due to the complexities of the desk, it's a lot for an individual maker to create. Um, the desk is made out of, with a CNC machine. So that's a huge component. And then it needs to be in a proper like paint furnishing, sp finishing space to be able to prime to paint without dust. So when I reached out to individual makers, it was often that hard discussion of, I just don't think I have the bandwidth or the capacity to do this in my small space. A lot of people work from their garages mm -hmm. and that wasn't going to be doable. Same thing with Char. So originally Char was someone I reached out to because I knew we were going to move to Atlanta. And she said, I'd love to be able to take this on, but I just don't think I had the space to do it. And so she introduced me to April Wilkerson's team in Texas mm -hmm. and April had just purchased this new property called the woodshed. And they're the ones that took on this first series um, of desks and the manufacturing and helping me continue to go through that prototyping phase. Mm -hmm. um, and they've been super kind. And I flew down there twice to meet with them, to check through the process, to go through some like quality assurance checks. Um, and yeah, so individual makers only really one to two probably before I got to the standpoint of turning it over to a team. Okay. Okay. Now, like you said, you've got no background in woodworking or painting or finishing. Um, so what's your, have you, do you feel like you've grown some knowledge around those things as you've been working with these people? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, there's terms. It's funny, right? Because it's the same thing where people ask me, what do certain abbreviations mean in the digital space? Or what does this mm -hmm. metric mean? Or how do I set this ad up? Or what does a Facebook pixel do, right? Where those are terms that make no sense in the same way as I was trying to understand what does the difference of a bit size make when you're cutting on a CNC machine, right? Or um, doing QA testing on the application of paint, spraying it versus a roller versus what does this give you? So 1000%. And <laughs> I also, I also now know, um, I mean, I also went through the process of every time that I was always looking at it from the consumer perspective. Mm -hmm. So every time we would finish a new prototype, I would have them ship it to me 
because packaging is a whole other beast. When you're dealing with an like 80 pound item mm-hmm. that has to be, it is so crucial because one of my main pain points when I first got that desk that I got was that it was broken. Right. And I was like, we can't have any corners hit or anything broken when it gets delivered. It, it removes that excitement that you get mm-hmm. when you do, when you purchase a big order. So yeah, a thousand percent, I learned things through and through, and I was always looking at it to see, okay, I'm designing this for women. Can I put it together? Can I understand these instructions? Is this really simple? Um, and so, yeah, at the end of the day, that that's been how I've always kind of put my perspective on is how would I react as the consumer of this product? So how many her desks have you put together? Oh man, that I personally put together. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Do you count taking it apart and putting it together over and over a couple of times? No, no, I'll let that one, <laughs> I'll let that one pass. <laughs> a few, a few. A few. Yeah, yes. Um, so I, that right there, I want to dive into a little bit, um, just because personally I have a, a manufacturing background. And so I also understand like, so what you're basically asking to be created is something in the industry that would be flat packed furniture, right? Because it's going to come in pieces and be assembled and like, I mean, is it, was it April's team that helped you work through, like, how do we get this down to as few as pieces as possible and as easy of assembly as possible and those instructions, um, like, was her team taking that on? How, what was your role in that process? So um, a little bit of both in terms of, so I came to them with the original drawings. Mm-hmm. And so it was in a pretty solid spot as far as the design. The design didn't change. Mm-hmm. Um, the When it shipped, so part of it is flat packed. And then the top is actually, the top and the drawers are pre-assembled. Okay. when they arrive. So that part is not flat, um, which is adds to the complexities. Um, but as terms of packaging, yeah, they were definitely crucial in going through the steps of how are we going to package this? And that's why I had multiple desks shipped here and gave them critiques as to, I, I would send them photos like this side was damaged, this side was damaged. And when you're shipping, like UPS or FedEx is throwing around your package. So Mm -hmm. you really have to do the due diligence. And I did a ton of research on just watching YouTube videos of how people package their heavy furniture and how they ship Mm it. Um, yeah, it was, it was both back and forth. We were both doing our due diligence and research to be able to make sure that we got it in the best spot. Okay. What was the decision behind like the drawers being shipped fully assembled versus, you know, being built? when received consumer ease okay 100 percent. what kind of i mean have you gotten feedback then from from consumers around ease of assembly yeah um i actually had there was a recent um customer she lives by herself in a new york city apartment and outside the fact of getting the box up the flight of stairs up to her apartment, <laughs> which she definitely needed help from a neighbor. Um, yeah, she did the whole thing with the, it's one, it's a screwdriver. Um, there's only six desk pieces. That's it. Mm-hmm. And then it takes a screwdriver, 
you do the screws and you put the little lock on and that's it. Okay. So yeah, there's, and I, and actually I did written instructions that are available, but I, instead of a complicated manual and also for just sustainability of paper, I created an assembly video. So it's me in my garage showing them step-by-step how to put together the desk. So there's only one component. The top of the desk is pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. She was able to do it by herself. I give her huge kudos for that. However, <laughs> she put it in there. Um, but that's the only stage where I'd say it's great to have an extra set of hands to lift mm-hmm. the top piece and set it on. Mm-hmm. What kind of wood is the desk made from? It is Baltic birch plywood. Okay. Yeah. So I'm glad you mentioned about New York because that was the other question I wanted to ask you probably have a unique perspective on this of living in the various different cities that you lived in. Now you're in Atlanta. Um, I can tell just because I can see you in video that you're not in a tiny cram studio apartment like you may be in like New York or even in LA, right? There's uh, uh, with property values being so high in those places, people live very small, generally in those big cities. Um, So how, I mean, did that play into designing the desk, like understanding that, you know, not everybody has like a separate office space type thing to have this grand desk type thing? Yes. So the desk size, I actually just looked at what the average desk size is. So this is, it's 48 by 30. And so this is a pretty common size desk, I would say. Um, But one thing I did take into consideration is it doesn't matter. You can position this desk. The front can be wide open. Um, You can turn it any which way and the finishing is the same through and through. You're not going to have a bad side. Mm -hmm. Um, So I thought about that. And yeah, absolutely. I mean, I lived in one of those very tight spaces with three people. <laughs> so a hundred percent. And I could picture this absolutely being in a small space or it can be a statement piece in a larger kind of executive room, home office. So it fits nicely. And I hope as I grow the company, I hope to expand to different SKU numbers and products and have a standing desk, have a kid sized desk. So I hope to be able to offer different, um, home office furniture pieces as well. Hey makers, do you know Lauren of Rasp and File Designs? Well, if you don't, you should definitely go check out her work. You can find her on Instagram, Rasp File Designs. Lauren is making all kinds of cool furniture and home decor pieces out of live edge uh, hardwoods and metal bases. Um, that's not all she does though. So you should really go check her out and see what she's up to, especially as holiday seasons are coming up. And I know all of us makers really enjoy making our own Christmas presents, but perhaps you're running out of time. So you want to maybe go check out Lauren. She's in the DC area. So especially those who are close, uh, location wise to her. So go ahead, go check her out at Raspfile Designs on Instagram. And let's get back to the episode. Hey makers, today's episode is brought to you by Tool Mom and Company, or some of you know her as Tool Mom Bonnie. Uh, She has all kinds of tool related merchandise of gifts and clothing for all ages and genders available at Tool Mom Store. 
coffeemugs.com. I have two of the coffee mugs. One says go girl and it has a circular saw with flames coming off the back which is super sweet. And then the other one is the definition of a tool chick which just makes you feel kind of badass when you're drinking out of it. So if you are in the market, especially as we're getting close to Christmas, for any tool related merchandise, be that gifts or clothing, make sure you head on over to toolmomstore.com and extra bonus, you can receive 20% off at checkout if you use the coupon code MAKERMOM. All right, let's jump back into the episode. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> have you always been like entrepreneur type person? I, you know, what's funny about that question is I don't think I ever saw myself that way, but I naturally have always had a, um, like I've always wanted to challenge the status quo or leadership in organizations I worked for. So I always wanted to change something or expand something or do something new. And they'd be like, there's 500 steps between you doing that. Right. And I was like, Oh, but why, (laughs) why can't we just do that now? So I think, yes, looking back. Yes. I think I always had this nature of wanting to do something myself. I absolutely love having my own freedom and flexibility. I mean, I started a company within a year, right? Mm -hmm. Like you, you don't have the luxury of normally just doing that. And I think the only reason why I felt comfortable doing it with her desk was because I had started positive equation four years ago and saw success with that business. So I had a little bit of, um, intuition and gut that I could do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I mean, it's definitely not been easy. There's absolutely no part of entrepreneurship that is easy, but it's all about finding the right people to help you and support you and build those mm-hmm. relationships and just putting one foot in front of the other and staying positive. So, I mean, your other business is all around digital products and services though, correct? Yeah. So I would, a physical product product is still a product, but it is definitely different. Like you're not talking for digital products, like you are creating them um, or helping others to create them themselves. But Was there any at all, any hesitation to you to like, how do I turn this into an actual like thing from, from idea to like actual, <laughs> like physical thing? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, a million percent. And then there's also the self-doubt of, do I just think this is cool? Is anyone else going to actually <laughs> think this is neat? Um, and what was interesting, so using my digital background, I launched in the spring, I launched a series of, um, lead generation ads. So just, I put up a landing page for her desk and I created a logo. So base, base investment. Right. And I created, um, I just wanted to generate email subscribers and very quickly, very quickly. I had like 500 email addresses within like a month and I'd spent like no money. And I was like, okay, is this a thing? And of course, I mean, serendipitously the world going into COVID where we are working from home and everybody 
some companies are giving stipends for home office supplies and materials is happening. And so I think there was natural state of the world of just needing desks, but I think we're also, I think there's a lot of small businesses coming out with great solutions um, to try and break into some of like the big industries that we're used to. So I think it was a little bit of a, every time I've posted about it or shared, everyone's like, what? Like, this is amazing. Um, because I think it's just literally, it was, it was a problem Mm -hmm. that I had. And I was, I just kept thinking this has to be something, another problem that somebody else has too. I can't be the only one. (laughs) So, I mean, you're definitely serving, uh, you know, people working from home, obviously are, have you gotten into, or do you see it getting into spaces like back in office spaces, corporate office spaces? Um, I've thought about definitely like the co-working spaces, mm-hmm. a lot of female owned um, co-working or even um, co-ed co-working spaces. I mean, honestly, th- the desk is very gender neutral, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. There's a light pink color, but hey, guys who rock pink, I'm all for it. <laughs> um, as far as the commercial space, I did receive an email recently from a hotel um, asking about wholesale pricing to have the desk in their hotel. I haven't actively reached out to the commercial mm-hmm. space. I've just been doing direct to consumer currently, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that would be a great place to see it grow for sure. Um, why is it so important to you to keep it female based? Um, I think in only the way that I relate to it so much and because it's who I am. And so I feel like I can understand and relate to women because I am one. (laughs) Um, otherwise, I mean, my husband joke, he's like, where's the, his desk, um, and coming up with functionality for him Mm -hmm. and he's in video production. So he's like, I love this feature and this feature. Why does, why can't we create one with this? So who's to say that his desk isn't in the future. So we shall see. (laughs) But I mean, I guess also specifically around like searching to source it from women as well. Um, Because there's not a lot (laughs) of places that do manufacturing that are women owned and women ran. No, it's really, really hard. Um, And what's happening is look, my, my dream of this is that it gets so big that I have the ability to have my own her desk manufacturing facility and I can hire and employ my own team. That would be incredible. Um, up until that point, honestly, it's not, it's like even the handles are designed or not designed. They are hand, the leather is hand stitched on the brass handles by a amazing man called Ethan, Ethan Carter designs in Boston. Yes, you know he's him. one of my friends as well. <laughs> he's, he's amazing. So look, I am all for, there's amazing men that support women too. So more so than the female-owned manufacturer or the female-made perspective, it's just bringing good people into mm-hmm. it. I'm all down for family-owned. I'm all for people who are collaborative. It doesn't matter um, what your gender is. I think I'm just trying to, there's, there's kind of this statistic that goes around in the investing space that like, I think Sarah Blakely said it last 2.8% of all women receive um, VC funds. 
So to support women, I'm just trying to do that by investing in, by hiring, by mentoring women. So if Mm -hmm. I can do that through whether it's my publicist or if I hire somebody to do social content on my website, trying to bring women Mm -hmm. into the company as much as possible. Yeah. But the manufacturing has been, yeah, it's real hard. It is. So I, I guess, uh, on this side of it, as I can't manufacture things like that, but I would say as somebody who makes physical products with her own hands, that I think it's important. And I hope you do keep a focus on looking for women, uh, to help in the manufacturer, you know, especially if you grow it large enough that you have your own facility and stuff Um, because it is and it is harder for us to get those opportunities Um, Mm -hmm. right do you find where do you where do you network with other female woodworkers uh it's all social media um Honestly, that's like one of the biggest reasons this podcast was started. So I had uh, a reason to continuously search and seek Mm -hmm. out other women who make because um, they're not always as easy to find. Um, I also have found it's lately it's really been hitting home more that I notice when I do find a female maker account um, or woodworker account, they're less likely to show themselves in any of their posts, um, much more so than, than male woodworkers. And so, uh, I think even though we're starting to see more of them on social media, they're still in effect remaining hidden unless you really do the work and dive deep to find out. Um, I mean, we have, you know, I mean, Char's amazing and a rock star and superstar, and she's always in her feed, but um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <clears throat> which is awesome. But not every woman feels comfortable doing that. Because um, unfortunately, so thing, things get said, right? And are they're much more likely to be said, uh, not about the work we create, but, but uh, about our looks, if a woman puts herself up there with, with what she does. So... I will just say that as somebody who comes from that industry, I'm over here shaking my head, no one can see I know, you. I know. <laughs> but just as somebody who comes from that industry and, and then in my job job, I work with manufacturing spaces, like, you know, people who are making engines or all kinds of different things in manufacturing spaces and those dirty, gritty, like, you know, blue collar mm-hmm. type spaces. Um, that's where I'm working. And there's almost always no women. And it's not because women aren't interested in those things or don't want to learn those things. I think there are plenty of women out there who do. It's just harder for them to break into those spaces. So I will yeah. say it's important to me, <laughs> you know, if, if you get to drive that on your end, then that's awesome, you know, to have somebody who would look for that. Absolutely. I mean, I grew up, my dad owns his own um window and door company. So he's been, I've been around construction forever. Mm -hmm. I feel like our home was always going through construction (laughs) (laughs) and he would always like try and explain what X, Y, and Z is. And he's very detailed and analytical in that sense. So I was always very sufficient in a drill and the basic necessities of knowing how to put stuff together. But I, 
especially with this, wanted to know the nuances of how everything is put together and then also challenge things mm-hmm. um, to say, well, why can't it do this? Or how do we get it to do this? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I would love, love, love to have a, a factory facility and I just walk in with a bunch of women like killing it with power tools and be like, <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> um, I, so working through this, working to grow the company, going direct to consumer, I mean, are you still like one woman show as far as that end of the business goes? Yes, I am. Yep. <laughs> I, I have brought on, uh, individual consultants, um, as far as like a publicist. Mm-hmm. And originally I did have somebody help me with, I, or some, somebody did help me with branding. So I brought in people who are skilled at their like subject matter expertise, but as far as running the day to day, hundred percent. I have, um, behind me, you can see it. I have a box of candles that I just added, um, because I'm now thinking of desk accessories. Mm-hmm. So I have a series of candles. So yeah, I went through the process of like scent exploration and creating labels that a friend of mine helped me put together. But yes, I'm the one putting the labels on the candles, putting them in the bags, <laughs> sending out the emails for when a shipment is delayed, all the things. So, okay. So you're doing like all the things, like you said, but you've been, I mean, even just having the thought of realizing like, you're not the expert. Let me go find an expert. How did you get to that point of being able to recognize that? Because that is a skill set that I think we don't, uh, that as society, we don't like hold up in high regard, but that is a very good skill set to have when you can understand this is not what I'm like super great at. Let's find somebody else to help do that. Like, how'd you reach that point? Unless you were just born that way. And if you were awesome, but (laughs) (laughs) I think it's a lot of lessons learned. Like I think positive equation, my first business taught me a lot in the sense of I would try and do absolutely everything and then stress myself out if I couldn't get it right or just spend hours trying to figure it out. And I'd be like, oh my goodness. If you, I just wasted so much time trying to figure that out when I could be out getting new business, right? So how I always rationalize it and for anybody listening is you think about what is your, what's your like, if you have one, what's an hourly rate that you make, right? Or divide your salary and you can figure out what your hourly rate basically is. And then you think about, am I using that time best spent trying to learn this new thing? Or could somebody be paying me for my time right now? (laughs) So it, I mean, even with positive equation, I do this. I ended up, although it's a, I do social media consulting. I don't do my own social media anymore because that was a time suck for me. Um, my blog content, writing all that, a time suck for me where I can be consulting and I can be teaching and I can be Um, sending out new pitches and proposals. That was a better use of my time. So it made sense to hire someone to do all those things. So I think definitely like stressing myself and burning myself out in the first business. And, and I mean, also with her desk, 
I knew I couldn't build a desk. <laughs> so no one would want to receive a desk that I built. <laughs> so there was kind of like, I knew I had to hire someone for that. And then as soon as it gets to the point where I can hire somebody else to do like my email marketing and acquisition, I will 1000% give it over to somebody who is smarter than me in that area. Um, do you, so you still have your first business, right? Positive equation. You still have that. Absolutely. Yep. Is that like, is that your primary still and her desk, like kind of secondary or is her desk kind of coming up in the ranks? Um, positive equation is definitely still the primary. Um, I mean, at the time of this, I haven't taken any income from her desk. Everything that I've made is just being reinvested back into the company. So yeah, absolutely. Positive <laughs> equation right now is, um, what's paying the bills. Mm-hmm. And, but I, my long-term goal is I hope that her desk kind of rises above and that positive equation becomes more of a passive income stream as far as recorded courses that I've done. Um, and maybe small projects kind of throughout the year. So this, you're extremely unique as far as guests that I've had on the podcast in the sense that, and please don't take this wrong, that you're not making the product. Um, (laughs) But I think there's uh, uh, something I want to ask about that could be really beneficial for people listening, um, which is when you talked about like handing over your social media to somebody else to do because it's a time suck, which hallelujah, amen. Yes, it is a time (laughs) suck. Um, But I know that a lot of people like myself and in this kind of maker space uh, really struggle with the idea of that because we're like, well, then how is it like our authentic voice on social media if somebody else is posting it? Um, so can you just share a little bit around, like, I mean, was there any like fear of letting go or any of that when you did that handover and like what that's been like for you specifically on the other side of it? Sure. So what I did was I created a brand guidebook. So the brand guidebook had everything from the visual aesthetic of the brand. So like my hex colors, my logos, imagery, anything like that. But it also had, I would explain what my tone is, um, my persona of how I want my brand to come across as do I come across like a mentor? Do I come across like a mom? Do I come across like a friend, a teacher, a lawyer, right? Whatever that sounds, Mm -hmm. um, specific language, specific words that I would use and don't use. And then I also outlined what's the purpose of what my posts are. So is it to, um, one of them is to teach. Um, One of them is to create inspiration, right? So you list out what the purpose of the content is. So basically it gave her some guidelines to follow so that she wasn't starting from scratch and being like, how in the world do I interpret Dana? Um, And then the other thing is I use Sprout Social as my publishing platform so she will put content in Sprout. And for the first couple of weeks, I would go through, she would do about two weeks or so. And then she would ask me for approval and I would go through and make any tweaks and then tell her why I was making those adjustments. Mm-hmm. And then after time, it was really funny when I was out of pocket for my wedding in October for about two and a half weeks. Um, 
I had friends be like, oh my God, you're posting while you're getting married. And I was like, <laughs> nope. nope. <laughs> <laughs> but then at that point, she was so well-versed in how I speak and how I communicate. Mm-hmm. And she's even, she's in the DMs. She, no one has no idea that it's not me going in there. Sometimes it is, but most of the time it? it's her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so how do you build up content to give her though? Like pictures or, um, you know, a lot of us in, especially in the making space do like video content and picture content. Um, like how are you, do you just build a bunch up and then send it off to her type thing? So some of it is photos. A lot of it is I use, um, social squares is a, has like be, it's stock imagery, but it's beautiful and it's very mm-hmm. realistic. Um, some of it is graphics that she creates. Some of it is photos that I've had over time. Sometimes she'll ask me to do a video about something. So what we do is we have a, we have bucket, like bucket themes of content. So it's throughout the week, it kind of like repeats certain mm-hmm. things, or we'll sit down at the beginning of the month and I'll say, okay, I really want to push my, my speaking engagements, um, my consulting and my social audit. And then I'll be like, I also have three different lives that I'm doing. So we need to promote those. So it ranges, but yeah, we'll talk at the beginning of the month, come up with a plan. And she might say, great. I have a bunch of post ideas for this. Can you take a picture of your morning routine, like with your coffee cup or something, or Mm -hmm. for Halloween, I have a, I have a labradoodle. And so she's like, are you dressing him up? Can you take a picture? (laughs) So it's just having that ebb and flow relationship, but a lot of it is done in bulk beforehand. Okay. Um, Another easy tip is if you're working with someone is to set up a shared photo album Mm -hmm. on your iPhone and just add photos in there because they can automatically pull them. Awesome. Yeah, that is a really good tip. Uh, For those of us who don't use iPhone, I being one of them (laughs) would be a Google, a Google drive would work as well. Yes. Uh, There you go. For sharing. Awesome. Thanks for, uh, I know it's probably a little off topic to answer that question, but I know it's something that, you know, those of us who make content is always kind of I would love, there are a lot of things I would love to offload to somebody who is the expert, you know? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Funding is also needed though, for those type of things. Um, Yeah. But again, if you break it, it's one of those things where if you break it down and you realize again, it's that time spent, right? It's that how, what's your time worth mm -hmm. and does it make sense to bring that person on to help you continue to grow your business more? True. Very true. So besides desk accessories, where else is her desk heading as we're starting to get into uh, another new year? Oh, man. Um, Well, her desk is going through lots of updates and changes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually expanding uh, and getting transitioning to a new manufacturer right now. So actually bringing it to um, the East coast so that I can be more hands-on just going to Texas was really difficult. And I want to be more hands-on in the process and have it scale. Um, I would love to have a standing desk in 2021, which would be very cool. I would love to build a chair that goes with the desk. So, you know, playing with some things. (laughs) When it comes to those type of things, are you going to be working again with, um, do you think you'll work with a team for like designs? 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, if you have any ideas, holler. <laughs> I see your brain over there. Turning. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. You you get to you get the to to watch me check out <laughs> as, as my mind starts moving. Okay. Um, we're actually at the end of our chat together here, Dana. So I want to give you a chance though to let people know uh, where to find you on all of the interwebs. Sure. So online, you can find me on our website, which is herdes.co. And then same thing on Instagram is herdes.co. Super easy. Awesome. Awesome. And if you want, I'll, you can plug your other company as well. If you want to shout that out. Oh. <laughs> and then the other one, if you're in need of digital work, uh, mm-hmm. positive equation. So www, I don't know why I say www. It's positive equation.com <laughs> all spelled out. <laughs> Who says WWW anymore? <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. You're a child of the nineties. It's okay to say eighties technically. Eighties. Yes. One word. What? 89. Yeah. 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 I was, I'm 81. So I got you beat a little bit. Yeah. You're, you <laughs> definitely can have the eighties more than I do. You can claim yeah. it. I can claim it. I can claim. I didn't get my first cell phone until I was a freshman in college. Um, <laughs> nice. Yes. 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 Um, Awesome. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. I really appreciate it. Yeah. All right. So again, that was Dana of Her Desk. I will include links on how you can follow along with her in the description for this episode. You can find that on your podcast app that you're listening to this episode on, or you can find it in the description down below if you're watching this on YouTube. All right, if you're really enjoying this podcast, then please make sure that you hit that subscribe button and make sure that if you're watching this on YouTube, you hit that like and leave a comment down below. And we'll also love it if you head on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. All of that helps with the algorithms know that uh, you like the podcast and others may like it as well. All right, so we're getting into and closer to Christmas. And so I have a couple announcements to make about that. One being that uh, there is still merchandise available for any kind of swag that you might like for the podcast to help rep your favorite podcast. There's t-shirts and long sleeve shirts. I think I even have a hoodie. Um, There's face masks. There's uh, coffee mugs. So all kinds of things over there that you can go ahead and check out and um, the quickest and easiest way to find that is to go on over to Instagram, find at Maker Mom Podcast, and the link in the bio, you can find all the swag there. Also, since it is getting close to Christmas, I am going to go ahead and hit the pause button as far as brand new episodes until uh, the start of the year. So the next brand new episode for the Wonder Women series will be Wednesday, January 6th. However, don't don't dismay. There will still be episodes put out. I will just be sharing some of my favorite episodes uh, through the rest of the year. So just so you're aware that uh, next week will not be a brand new episode. It will be a rerun, but it will be one of my favorites. And especially if you're new to the podcast, then uh, you're trying to play catch up. That might be a good time to listen so you can just... um, Here's some that hopefully you haven't heard yet. 
All right, so that's one announcement, well, two announcements, but also um, I am really trying to look for and find somebody who can help um, edit and put out the podcast. Uh, that is something that is kind of on my wish list of things to be able to do in 2021 to be able to hire that out. In order to get there though, I could really use your support. Uh, check out Patreon. If I can get up to about 30 patrons over there, then that will make it possible for me to hire this out, uh, which just means more content coming to you. Uh, because I will be freed up with more time and then can get in some more interviews. So if you've been on the fence about whether you want to join the tribe over there on Patreon, I uh, would request that you strongly consider it. You can check that out at patreon.com forward slash maker mom podcast. There's all kinds of different tier levels. Um, I'm just aiming to hit that 30 patrons. I'm at 16 right now. So we just need 14 more to go. Um, all of the different tier levels get you access to any additional content. In 2021, I really do intend to hit the game hard as far as offering more frequently, uh, being able to participate in the interviews live when they happen uh, for patrons. So that will be coming up. Most of the levels come with some type of merchandise, be it stickers, t-shirts, mugs, uh, whatever uh, that is available over there. So again, I'm at 16 patrons. Once I hit 30, that will allow me to be able to, uh, you know, offload some of the editing work and uh, broadcasting work so that I can continue to get more interviews in and free up some of that time. Huh. All right, there's a lot of announcements going on. Um, I will still be doing the intros and uh, outros for the rerun episodes for the um, following weeks through the rest of the year. Uh, but reminder, no new interviews. Um, last new interview will be Friday. So it is Wednesday. I will see you all on Friday and uh, have a great rest of your week as we are barreling through the end of the year 2020. Thank you.